Time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. Our 2023 roster countdown is now up to number 86. And we've got defensive back, cornerback, Trey Swelling. Um, interesting player, hasn't played much in the NFL. He's going into his second season. And uh, we got a pedigree guy. So, dad, we'll jump into that. Brothers, this is a football family guy that performed very, very well at college. And, you know, team captain high school, on a roll high school, on a roll college, all ACC, all these things. So you've got somebody that fits the specs you want in a defensive back, six foot, 196. I, I can't stress this enough. The Niners have types on defense, especially six foot, 200 pounds. You close to that, you're going to have a shot. Now, Josh, the 49ers guru, is the producer of today's show and did all the research, crushed it. We have all five of our executive producers rank 1 through 91, every single player. Trey had an accumulative score of 418, okay? Now, to put that into perspective, the previous episode, Fumagalli had 429. The lower the score, the better. But with these back-end defensive back guys, there's a lot of them. It's interesting to see how they're going to play out. And we'll go through the depth chart once we get into expectations for this upcoming year. But let's dive into a little bit more of what his athletics profile is, um, what he was able to put together in high school and college before we jump to those conclusions. So six foot 196, perfect. 31.6 inch arms, that's a red flag. Very short arms for a six foot guy. He's only 24 years old. And might as well be a rookie with a lot of the guys coming in being 25 years old. He ran the 40 in a 4.67, not great. So you got short arms. You don't have the top end speed. He had a four. Um, he had a 6.813 cone. That's elite. That is a very very good. Could play in the slot. Didn't really do that much at Georgia Tech. His college, the build says outside, but the shiftiness and direction says inside. The stats on tackling says outside. <laughs> if you're going to be a, a slot nickel corner, you got to be tough. You can't miss a lot of tackles, and he struggled with that big time in college. 37-inch um, vertical, that's a check. That's huge. That makes up a lot for the lack of arm length. And 15 bench press reps as a corner, really, really not bad. Um, now, let's look at kind of what he's been through. So he went to high school, Brother Martin High School, um, and he's already graduated with not one but two degrees at Georgia Tech, which is a great school. Uh, business administration and construction and facility management. He has already come out and talked about that after um, his NFL career. He wants to be a CEO of his own business, perhaps a sports agency. And this kid, uh, it makes a lot of sense because you look at his family and it's just like, okay, cool. His dad's Pat Swelling. And if you don't know who Pat Swelling is... Dude was freaking unbelievable. He played Georgia Tech from 82 to 85, first team All-American. You know, he dad still holds records at Tech for all-time single-season sacks. He had 15, was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2009. He was drafted in the third round um, to the New Orleans Saints. Third round of 1986, you might know another 49ers legend that we got there, John Taylor, same round, same year. But Pat Swelling went on to be a two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, NFL sacks leader, and was the defensive player of the entire year. He got the Nick Bosa Award back in 1991. So all this to say, you know, again, this, this kid, Trey Swelling, has been around 
greatness and knows what it's like to be here. Pat Swillen played seven years with the Saints, three with the Raiders, two with the Lions. His brothers, uh, Bruce Jordan Swillen, was a running back and linebacker for uh, Georgia Tech uh, during the same time. And then his older brother, Pat, Pat, played basketball at Tulsa. So you've got all these stud athletes, pedigrees, checkmark, A+. Between the years, it matches, too. He's got two degrees. Um, was a member of the ACC Academic Honor Roll. Now, again, let's go back to high school. He was a member of the prestigious ESPN 300. Now, <laughs> he barely got in. He was the 295th ranked player in the nation. Now, again, there's only 300 players out of the entire country that are ranked in this for every college football program. Being 295 was huge. He was always going to go to Georgia Tech. I, I just read through... You know, all the differences, you know, all the family members that have their history there, right? Um, he led his high school to a state semifinals in 2014 and 2016, and then a quarterfinals appearance in 2015, was a four-year letterman and three-year captain. Three-year captain in high school. That means as a sophomore, this dude was captain of a varsity team. That's incredible. Um, he was all district, all metro uh, selection in basketball. So athleticism's there. Six foot, 200 pounds, can jump. He's got short arms, but, you know, he goes through Georgia Tech, and I, I want to dive into a little bit more of his stats because he hasn't played in the NFL. He hasn't played in the preseason. He hasn't played in the regular season. He, he was an undrafted free agent, but we'll cover that in the transaction history that he has had in his one year in the league. Remember, 24 years old. This kid's young. But if you look at what he did in college, four-year starter, and so he was a four-year letter winner in high school. He was a four-year starter in college. Then he gets to the NFL and doesn't even get a snap. So it's it's problematic to say the least. Now, he's played over 2,400 college snaps. Dude has played some ball. If we just look at the 2021 snap share, he's, a, he's an out-wide corner. 568 wide, you know, outside corner snaps, 65 in the box, 64 in the slot, 43 in the defensive line blitzing. He did blitz a decent amount and played a lot of special teams. You being a four-year starter, three-time captain, and you're doing special teams, yeah, you're doing something right. Now, you look at his pro football focus scores in college, not great. This is for the 2021 season, his senior year at Georgia Tech. 55.6 defensive grade overall, not good. 62.9 run, no, that's not bad. 46.1 tackling, not great. That's terrible. 59.7 pass rush, good, all right. So yeah, your Steve Wilkes is, all right, cool, I got a blitzing DB, he loves those. 52.4 coverage, not good. Now, red flags are this, missed tackles. He's been in the NFL for a year. If he ain't going to fix it with the 49ers, he ain't fixing it anywhere. 25 missed tackles in his career to 92 tackles. That's terrible. That's a 21.6 missed tackle rate. Can't do it. Now, good news. I'm trying to balance this as best I can. He only allowed 55% completion percentage. That's it. It's hard to complete a pass on this guy. But then you start digging into the stats, and it's boom or bust. It's hard to complete a play on him. He plays so aggressive the problem is he gives up so many big plays. He allowed 13 touchdowns in his career. That's bad. Two interceptions. That's bad. 14 pass breakups. That's good. So he's got ball skills. He's just not finishing the play. He's, he's not cashing in 
He's getting his hand on the football. He's just not getting interceptions. A 101.6 NFL passer rating allowed for Trace Willing and 17 career penalties. That's crazy. I don't even know how you do that. One year he had nine penalties. Rest of the years were, again, four-year starters. So you got it. The numbers are going to always sound big. You could divide these numbers out over four years, and it's still kind of problematic. And not a lot of injuries in his career, whether high school, college, or NFL. Not not a lot. Now, he gets brought in to the Tennessee Titans as an undrafted free agent. Didn't last long. Um, and the last cut, you know, the cut down to 53 last year, he didn't make it. So August 30th, he gets cut from the Titans. But he was there with Vrabel, right, for the entire, you know, <laughs> training camp, preseason, all that stuff. He just didn't get playing time. Then he gets picked up two weeks later by the Saints. Again, dad, right, career Saints, whatever else, didn't get played. But here's probably the best news that's happened to him. The best news that's happened to him is, you know, they kept him for a long time. Niners brought him in. So he was with the Saints from September 12th. Um, and then eventually the Niners brought him in December 20th. So we signed him to the practice squad. Then we released him December 27th. Then we brought him back. So the, the two things that stand out to me most, and again, we're, we're this conjecture here, and you're trying to look to find some type of validity. How can this guy, why do the Niners want this guy? Because the film's not there. But they had him in the building, and they brought him back. They had him in the building, and they brought him back. That means one of the coaches, one of the front office guys, liked him, just couldn't crack the depth chart. You know, if you look at the cornerback position last year that we had, Outside of Emmanuel Mosley, pretty much everybody stayed relatively healthy, which is crazy to say. And so there was never an opportunity to kind of work yourself up into or whatever else. It just wasn't there. So, and on top of that, Quantrez Knight, I feel like he was the practice squad number one guy at the corner position. He's got a broken hand now. And so what's that going to look like? Who knows? So again, zero NFL snaps, zero games played in. He did play in 42 college games. So he's got tape he's got experience playing against top end talent in college we just got to see something that's going to happen now if we look at what what's trey swelling got in the tank this year what's the prediction well let, let's look at the outside corner depth chart charvarius ward diamador lenore samuel womack daryl luter you got isaiah oliver who can play out there i know he's going to be the starting nickel but he's played more actually in the nfl at the outside than he has in the inside but Throw him in there. That's five. Miles Hartford, six. Ambry Thomas, seven. Avery Young, right, eight. J Deshaun Jamison with return specialist upside. That's nine. And then Trey Swelling. Now, the only player on this roster that I have him ahead is A.J. Parker, who we already did in this roster countdown. But I'll be honest with you. If, if I'm looking at the back end of this roster, there's a lot of movement. Avery Young, Deshaun uh, Jameson, Trey Swillen, A.J. Parker. Those four guys, they're all in the same tier. And so you could beat out those guys. And let's say Trey Swillen beats out that bottom tier outside corner play, still not making this roster. You've got to leapfrog Ambry Thomas and Miles Hartsfeld to have a shot at that. So it, it's an uphill battle. There's no doubt about that. But... He's got certain things. Perfect. Six foot, 200 pounds. Check. Change of direction. Check. 
Lots of playing time in young. That's good at the college level. The college level, yeah, you keep that in mind. But that's Trey Swelling. And, you know, smart kid, character kid, leader kid, locker room kid. There's a reason why the Niners brought him back after releasing him last year off the practice squad. We just got to see if he can put it together. Thank you, Josh, the executive producer of this show. And number 86, cornerback Trey Swelling. And for us here, we're just going to keep counting them down. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or fight for home playoff court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. And Prize Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players get injured. For basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player projection won't count against you, and the rest of your entry stays live. There's lots of bets. Stephen Curry, over 27.5 points. Draymond Green, will he make one three-pointer? Or no? Very easy things to bet. Download the app today and use code 49ers. For a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the Prize Picks app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. The whole reason we do this series is because you learn these things and you fall in love with these players before you ever even see them play. And when this was proposed to us over a year ago, this is our second year doing the full roster countdown. There were just certain players that jumped off the page when you're doing this research, when you're going through stats, when you're going through quotes, when you're going through interviews. I'm telling you right now, if you skip this episode, I'm mad at you for a long time. you got to listen at least to the start of this episode because this story is made for TV. It's incredible. We're at number 85, okay? Undrafted free agent linebacker this year, Mariano Sori Marin. Marin, I believe is the way it's pronounced. Pronunciation is not my thing. He came with an accumulative score of 412, right? All five producers rank 1 through 91. You add up all those. The lower the score, the better. Um, I'm just going to be really honest with you right now. And this is bias showing. I want him way higher. I believe in this kid. Not just because of who he is, which is incredible. We'll, we'll dive into that. But because of what he's come from. People that overcome obstacles in their life incredible like i'm telling you drake greenlaw vibes galore with this kid now he's cuban american not a lot of cuban americans in the nfl um and he's cuban cuban his uncle his great uncle i apologize humberto is his name was part of fidel castro's revolution um take it over cuba but things got really bad really quick uh, and and again if you know anything about cuban history it's I don't want to dive into that. That could be an hour-long episode. Um, I'm a history guy. I love this stuff. But during the redistribution of land, things got really, really heated. Corruption, all that kind of stuff started playing in. His uncle took off, um, came to the United States, and started working with the CIA. So much so, in fact, he was one of the leaders or frontmen. This is all told from the story of Mariano's father in the Bay of Pigs. He goes back, and if you don't know what the Bay of Pigs is, that's okay. Basically, the CIA sent Cubans back to Cuba to try to take it back over, and the mission failed. Um, his his great uncle gets captured, executed by firing squad, 
terrible things. The rest of Mariano's family, they descent to the United States. They get, you know, their U.S. visas. A lot of them were um, in the medical field. And, you know, I don't want to say the rest is history because the impact of all those things, it plays such a big role into who you are, your identity, how you're raised, the family unit, the atmosphere. It's just a whole thing. And, again, football is the smallest of this story. But it's it's what we're here to do. And you hear these things that this kid has gone through and his family has gone through. He wasn't even born yet, right? But it gets passed down. And Mariano, um, the newest 49er, he was asked about his family's past. Listen to this quote. Uh, this is incredible. It, it's been dialogued. I found it in a PFF article. It, it was in the New York Post. I mean, incredible story. I had no clue about this guy. Quote, the biggest thing is perspective and appreciation for everything my family went through to get to America and provide me an opportunity to grow up in this country. This is, again, from Mariano Sori Martin. I misspelled his freaking name. That's okay. Sorry. If you're watching the graphic on YouTube, it's S-O-R-I. I apologize about that. Continuing that quote. Quote, so to be able to play a game for a living in the NFL would truly be special. We live in a country where we have so many freedoms and opportunities that aren't the same in other parts of the world, so I have gratitude each day, end quote. Holy freaking cow. Like, this is a kid <laughs> that he's 23 years old. He's played five years in college. He gets it. He gets it. Now, what we're going to do, like, that's his history, what he has been raised with and through and has accomplished the things that he does, and it permeates the way he plays on the field. It permeates who he is off the field, which, again, those are the things I'm most excited about. Now, let's talk about football, and let's talk about who he is, because that's great. A lot of people have great stories. What about on the field? Listen to this, okay? I'm going to go through his height, weight, speed, bench, 40, all that stuff. The 49ers have a type at linebacker, and I think, and I've said this so many times, they evaluate the linebacker position better than any other position on the field. It's not even close, okay? Uh, his jersey number is going to be 51. A shout-out to Aziz. We miss you already. The new 51's here. We'll see how he does with it. He's a big linebacker. Mariano is six foot three, same as Fred Warner, 6'3". Mariano is 245. He is tall. He is big. Fred Warner, 236. Arm length. Just over 31 inches, Fred Warner, 32. He's 23 years old. His 40-yard dash, 4.6240. Fred Warner, 4.64. You see what I'm getting here? Uh, now, I'm no way in shape saying this dude plays like Fred Warner. He doesn't. I, I don't. I think they have different skill sets. But if you look at last year with Marcelino McCurry Ball, you look at Curtis Robinson, you look at Aziz, you look at Fred Warner, man, they are a type to a T. And Mariano falls in line with that. D winners, not so much. Jalen Graham, not so much, and I'm not trying to downplay them. They went after those guys for their their specific traits that will help them excel, but they love these linebackers with these giant, immense measurables, 6'3", 245, He's bigger than Fred Warner. <laughs> He's faster than Fred Warner. Now, not in change of direction or burst. 10-yard splits. Okay, the first 10 yards of the 40-yard dash. Mariano, 1.69. Not bad. Fred Warner, 1.55. That's elite. Three cone. That's change of direction. 7.17 for Mariano. 6.9. Nice for Fred Warner. So the shiftiness in the initial burst, 
That's Fred Warner by a mile. Vertical, 35 inches. Fred Warner, 38 and a half. Bench press, Mariano, 16. Fred Warner, 21. So he's bigger, a little bit slower, not as shifty, and not as much upper body strength. But the similarities, that's off the charts, okay? That is off the charts. Now, he's he grew up in Chicagoland. He went to high school at Providence Catholic High School, uh, the Celtics, in New Lenox, Illinois. He was a captain. That's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. Three-star recruit. He chose to go to Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, but he didn't have a lot of options. Now, if you look at what he did in high school, he played linebacker and wide receiver. He had 6'3". He's a pretty big dude. Lettered in track and field. His accumulative ranking coming out of high school into college, he was the number 33 inside linebacker in the country. He was the number 18 overall prospect in Illinois. So good, not great. Lands in the Big Ten and, man, <laughs> showed up and played. His, he was a five-year player at Minnesota because the COVID exemption and all those things. He was a five-year player. His first year, he was part of the all-quad team, okay? <laughs> Niners got a lot of quad guys, but this is the actual leg muscle quad. Um, this is special teams. The members that were part of all four special teams groups. And I think this is where he will be able to get his foot in the door. Um, whenever he was asked about what his points of pride and things that he accomplished at Minnesota, listen to this. He said a point of pride was being on the quad, being a quad teamer over his years with the Golden Gophers, meaning he contributed on all four of the primary special teams, uh, you know, punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. I went back and tallied his special team snaps through Pro Football Focus, 584 career special teams plays. That's bananas. So, like, all right, cool, you're a special teamer. And we're going to go through these guys. We're doing all 91, and it's like, okay, special teams, cool, right? No, no, no. This dude is the special teamer. Like, to be what he was at Minnesota and still get that many snaps on special teams, that's just a check. Remember last year, <laughs> Hufunga, Jimmy Ward, those dudes were out there on every special teams unit. That's just the way it was. That's awesome. Now let's talk about his linebacker play. 46 career starts. Um, if you look at his accumulative career stats, again, Marlino, sorry, Marin, 274 career tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss, only one and a half sacks, not a big blitzer. They didn't use him that way, though, in Minnesota. One interception, nine pass defense, uh, three forced fumbles. Now let's just look at his last year. Now let's start with his pro football focus scores, kind of what he's good at. He had a 60.3 defensive overall grade, not great. 73.6 run stopping, that's good. 72.2 tackling, that's good. 60.3 pass rush, all right, didn't do it very much, didn't have a lot of reps there. Um, and a 43 in coverage, that's bad. So that's what have the Niners done, right? L look at Drake Greenlaw, which they're different body types. Let me change that. This kid will never be in Dre Greenlaw's position. He is going to be a Mike or he's going to be a Sam, right? So I'm changing kind of on the fly here. Compare him to Aziz. Not great in coverage, but got better every year. And at the end of Aziz's tenure in the 49ers, you weren't asking him to do the hard coverage thing. You were putting him on running backs in the flats, and he could do that. 
that's something that this kid can do. You don't want him on tight ends. You don't want him on slot, guys. Let Dre Greenlaw, let Fred Warner do that. Allow him to learn the coverage aspect from a simplified position, that Sam roll, give him the running back, the fullback, things like that. That's what you got to do. Now, again, just looking at the missed tackle numbers, he had 14 missed tackles in 2022. That's a little high, but he had 88 total tackles. So that's a 13.3% missed tackle rate. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just kind of where it is. Now, accolades that he received, all Big Ten, third team, um, all all Big Ten honorable mention twice before that. And again, here we go, academic all Big Ten. Big Ten's hard to get all academic. 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Four times. This kid's got it upstairs, man. And he, he's, when you check the boxes of these players, I hope you can tell I'm excited. Like, I probably shouldn't be this excited about the number 85 player on this roster, but I am. I am pulling for this guy. I am so excited about what he brings to the table. He was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week uh, one time in 2020. And listen to this. This is what the coaches said about him. When asked about what sets him apart, they all said that they said this. They praised his knowledge of the game and his thirst for film study. Mm, this ain't Kyler Murray, baby. He began studying film. Get this at Pee Wee football level. His coach, uh, Matt Hunterford, who was his Pee Wee football coach, would get them tapes on the opposing team so that they could watch them and know what was coming. Coaches matter. You instill practices into kids it matters it changes who they will become pj fleck the head coach at minnesota said quote he plays faster and more physical than probably any player i've ever coached end quote he's fast you know he, he ran a four six at 240 pounds 245 pounds don't want to slide him a little bit like, again he's got a faster 40 than fred warner did but again listen to pj played faster and more physical tell me that's not a scheme fit with the 49ers linebacking group you look at the solo run stops that he had. He was second in all of college football behind Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell went first round pick 18 to the Detroit Lions. Jack Campbell had 79 solo run stops. I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. Jack Campbell had 89 solo run stops. Mari, Mariano, sorry, Mar, Marin had um, 79 right behind him. Then I started just digging deeper because I was curious. Man, Iowa played a lot of run snaps. So as a defense total, they had 882 run, run snaps. Minnesota had 739. So you're talking 150-some-odd snaps less in the run game, but pretty comparable on solo run stops. This dude's just a wrecking machine. Um, here's his quote. I like this. Quote, this is Mariano talking. When you're a student in the game and grateful to step on the field for every aspect of every day, that's a recipe for success, end quote. This kid gets it, man. He gets it. Um, and so when I was doing my research, and I, again, shout out to the man Josh, um, 49ers guru, uh, doing a lot of this back work and research and all that stuff. He crushed it. I found, I came across, he ran a food vlog. Uh, you can go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's called Mills with Mariano. If you just type that in, it pulls up. I, I found several episodes. I watched a couple of them. Really, really good. Like, the personality and the confidence and the charisma, man, it comes across. Uh, go check it out. It's pretty. They're like five-minute videos. It goes over like lasagna and barbecue, and I saw another one on some type of sandwiches that's there. Uh, go check it out. Mills with Mariano. Uh, just He's an entertaining guy, and whenever you learn the story 
of his family and the Cuban Revolution and all this kind of stuff. And it just puts things into perspective. It really, really does. Now, he was projected to be kind of a 6th, 7th rounder undrafted free agent. And when he was asked about possibly going undrafted before the NFL draft actually took place, here's what he said. This is before he knew, like, basically, what would, how, what are your feelings if you go undrafted? Quote, there's a benefit to being a priority free agent. You can pick where you go. And you can see if there's a fit schematically, culturally, on the depth chart, end quote. Come on, man. Come on, man. How do you not get excited about that? He chose the Niners. Why? Because they have the best linebackers in the NFL. The best. He wants to be a part of that. Is there an elite level of competition ahead of him? Does he have an uphill climb? Yeah. Does that matter? No. Why? Right here. He picked it. So he can go to a fit schematically, he's a perfect fit. And culturally, physical, play fast, come on, baby, come on. Excited about this guy. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I I went through all of the stats and statistics. I th- This dude's had, he's had his fair sh- share of interviews just because of his history, and rightfully so. He was asked, li- listen to this, this is awesome. He said, it's about how players work with their 10 brothers beside them on each play that matters a whole lot more than individual accolades. Quote, stats are for losers, end quote. Whew. Come on, baby. This is somebody like I want around. You know what I mean? Now, he gets brought on with the 49ers undrafted free agent. Bruce Feldman of The Athletic had him ranked as his number 42 inside linebacker. What's he's number 85. You keep 53. How is this kid going to fight his way up? Listen to the depth chart. This is where this is the kind of like, uh, I don't want to say cringe, but it's just like, ah, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Oren Burks, absolute locks. I'm going to say D winners pretty damn close to a lock. Jalen Graham, who was drafted ahead of him. Interesting. Then you've got, Marcelino McCurry Ball, the largest undrafted free agent payout last year. Curtis Robinson made the 53-man roster last year. Then you've got, in my opinion, if I was doing the depth chart, this is where Mariano comes in. After that, DFF, I, I just don't see it, especially in the linebacker. He's special teams only player. And then Jack Coletto, uh, the undrafted free agent out of Oregon State. I don't know where the hell to put him. He played linebacker, tight end, fullback, running back, wide receiver, quarterback. What's he going to do? So for Mariano to make this roster, he's going to have to show out on special teams. That's his pathway. He knows that. He's got the experience, over 500 snaps there. But this is a kid I'm not betting against. And now, again, do I think he's making the 53-man roster? No. I, I don't think that should be the goal. The goal should be to land on the practice squad, develop, and wait for his opportunity. But, again... I'm not rooting against this kid. There's no way in hell you can. Not with the story he's gone through. Not with the perspective that he brings on and off the field. The kid watched film in peewee football. Oh, I love this dude, man. Uh, Really, really excited. And just so thankful that the Niners have a place for people like this. Despite having one of the deepest linebacking groups in the NFL. You bring in studs. You bring in cultural fits. And that's what he is.
man, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, like, email me, reach out, uh, 40HoursRushPodcast at gmail.com, uh, Twitter at JL underscore Chad, wherever, and just say, hey, man, th- that was cool. Because I don't know if I'm geeking out, like, uncontrollably. <laughs> like, am I crazy? This is cool, man. This is what sports brings to the table, right? These stories. And this is why I love this game and I love doing these roster countdowns. Because, man, guess what? Every time 51 came on the field disease, I was so excited because that dude was a straight baller. We get to keep that exact same enthusiasm with Mariano, Mariano, sorry, Marin. So excited to have him on this team. And we're just going to keep counting them down over here at the 40 Irons Rush podcast. Here we are at number 84 on the 2023 roster countdown for the 49ers, and we have undrafted free agent Shay Wyatt. Um, you know, wide receiver tape is usually pretty fun um, just because you, you just get to see him in a one-on-one athletic situation against an opponent, and Shay Wyatt does not disappoint. Now, He's an undrafted guy, had a, had a long journey uh, from Omaha, Nebraska. You know, he did kind of the D2 thing, which was pretty fun. And then he goes to Tulane. So he went to Central Missouri. Then he went down to Tulane and just performed well everywhere he went. And we're going to hear some quotes from him, some quotes from his coaches. We're going to go through his PFF scores, some tape analytics, all those things. But let's start with kind of what his make and build is, right? So jersey number 41, back-end guy. He's not getting his choice to receive. He wore 10 uh, in, in college, so uh, the fighting Jimmy G's. 5'10", 188. And you can find <laughs> – you can find he, – he's not a combine guy. And so you can find heights and weights all over the place. As much as 6'1", 6'2", he's 5'10". 5'10", 188. Small arms, 31-inch arms, but he had a 76-inch wingspan, which means he's got a really wide frame. Um, he's 24 years old. And again, this isn't a combine guy. So workout numbers are all over the place. I've seen 4.6640, and I've seen a 4.40 from Dane Brugler uh, from a pro day of some sort. So no official laser time, all those things. I can tell you this. Tape says he's quick. Now, is he a 4-4 guy? I don't think so. I don't think that's really how he wins. Um, Very, very athletic, crazy flexibility, and just, man, he – he is a football player. He's a basketball player, too. All-state basketball guy in Nebraska. Like, he, he's an athlete. Now, 10-yard split, 149. That's incredible. Three cones, 6.83. Incredible. Small, shifty, tough. Likes going over the middle, which for a smaller guy, you know, under 190, this is usually not what you see. 39-and-a-half-inch vertical. He's a baller. He's a basketball player. Broad jump, 10-7. Now, pitch press reps was five. That's really, really bad. Uh, I don't even know why you do it at that point. But, you know, what? he's not hiding anything. And when you're a UDFA like him, you got to go out there and just do your thing. Now, he went to Millard West High School in Omaha, Nebraska, um, and, you know, graduated with a psych degree. Very smart. Very, very, very smart. Um, you know, a big reason why he transferred from – Missouri State to Tulane was their academics, and he excelled. Uh, in high school, he excelled. In college, he excelled. Like, he's a smart kid, smart kid. So um, when he was in high school, so let's do this. Let's do high school, some notable points. We'll do, you know, his time at D2, then we'll do his time at Tulane. In high school, first team All-State in Nebraska, 
Um, I mean, he was he was a ball. He was really good at football. First team All State in basketball. He averaged twenty two and a half points in the state tournament. And academics were really important for it, to him from the start. Really, really were. And so he goes to Central Missouri because he man, it's very similar. Ronnie Bell's story is almost identical. Baller. And whenever you're competitive in the AAU and basketball scene, you're missing out on a lot of these seven-on-seven football camps and combines and all those things. And so sometimes you go a little under the radar. Same thing happened with Ronnie Bell. And the basketball, it I personally think playing basketball helps you play football. But it does lead you to be a little less noticed. So he goes to D2 Central Missouri, showed up and just was a baller. Uh, 2019. You know, he was second team All-American D2. He had 1,400 yards. I mean, he averaged over 111 yards receiving per game, 12 touchdowns. I mean, he just balled out. If you look at just his two-year career at Central Missouri, 2,200 yards, and he's one of only six players ever in that program to surpass 2,000 total yards. He was everywhere. Uh, AP All-American second team, and you can just go down through all these different awards, whatever else. But he was a scholar-athlete. And he was on, you know, the the all academic team every year he was there. I, whenever he left, I couldn't find his final GPA, but a three point five GPA, and the only player on his team at Missouri State to make the all academic team. So that tells me something, right? Because academics are important for him. Not so much a lot of the players that wound up there. He wound up there just because he didn't have as noticeable profile, athletic profile. But academics are important, just a hell of a player. And, you know, whatever, he transferred from Central Missouri to Tulane. Um, he said, quote, I wanted to challenge myself to see if I actually belonged at that level, end quote. And did he answer the call ever? Good gosh. So he had two years with Tulane. And, man, they had a hell of a year. Um, you know, finished his career beating USC in the pro in, in a bowl game. Uh, beat USC. Like, that's pretty badass. Um, now, 2021 is first year at Tulane, right? So this is his third year in college. Played in 10 games, 381 snaps, 76 of those were out of the slot. So he's somebody that can play in the slot. But, man, watching his tape, he's got routes. Like, he runs a very good route tree. Now, he's smaller, and so a lot of times people just kind of pigeonhole smaller quarter or wide receivers to just be slot guys. I do not think that he is just a slot guy. I think that he could play outside just fine. He had 33 catches on 50 targets, which is a 66% completion percentage. Not bad. Um, 376 yards, three touchdowns. That's his first year. Now, some of the deep PFF numbers I was able to find on him, um, 167 of his receiving yards were yards after the catch. Not bad. Not great. 5.1 yards after the catch. Not bad. Not great. Took a huge shot up the next year. 9.9 average depth of target. That's pretty solid. That means the ball's traveling 10 yards downfield. That means he's not doing a lot of screens and slants. No, he his routes, pretty freaking solid. Um, one of the things that kind of surprised me, once I saw his height weight, then, you know, and his speed, then you turn on the tape and it's like, ooh, all right, all right. Um, he had eight contested catches out of 11 opportunities. That's pretty solid. Five drops. That's going to get corrected. Um, he had a much better year last year. So uh, in 2021, five drops, 13% drop rate, not good. Only two drops in 2022 for a 5% drop rate. So you saw the adjustment, um, not the biggest sample size, but 
improvement. That's what you want from these guys, these prospects, right? Getting better. Um, eight missed tackles forced. Okay, not great, but that's not his game. He's not big enough or fast enough to to kind of break a lot of those tackles. Uh, that's not what he does. He does get upfield. He uses his stiff arm really, really well, not in a power sense, but just kind of like keeping the tackler at bay and fighting for more yards. That that was kind of the staple that I saw through several, uh, whether it's highlights or the game tape. It was, it was clear to see, like, this dude is a fighter for first downs. And listen to these numbers right here. This is So he had 33 receptions in 2021, 18 went for first downs, three went for touchdowns out of 33 receptions. So 63% of his catches in 2021 went for a first or a touchdown. That's pretty good. 91.8% passer rating when targeted. I know this is a lot of numbers, but it's hard to find film on him, so I'm trying to bring his game to life through these numbers. Um, that's what I'm attempting to do. I don't know if we're achieving this, but he's a fun player. You look at his pro football focus scores in 2021, 74.5 grade offense overall, 84.8 run blocking. Yeah, fits fits what the Niners do. Um he, he blocks. And with somebody playing at Tulane, which, again, had a great you know year, but the competition level is not a Power 5 conference, right? Well, hold on. Because his highest graded games were against Oklahoma, USF, SMU, and Memphis. His lowest graded games, Morgan State, UAB, ECU. So he kind of he shows up to what's ahead of him. You know, and so then I jumped to the 2022 tape, the most recent year, 600 snaps, played in 14 games, got a bigger role. But the stats didn't really, uh, let, let me phrase this. His stats went up, but not his receptions. He's still 35 receptions from 33 to 35. And you're like, hmm, that's weird. But it was just way more efficient. He had 35 receptions on 52 targets, 67% completion percentage. That's standard. But 692, uh, 692 yards and seven touchdowns. So he saw the same amount of targets. He just did more with it. 297 yak yards. He jumped it up 130 extra yak yards, and he only had two more catches. Like, he balled out once the ball was in his hands. Again, how does Shea Wyatt, the wide receiver, fit the 49ers? Yards after catch, 8.5 yards per catch per reception, 14.3 average depth of target. This dude does his work before the ball is in his hands and then afterwards. Only had two drops, 13 missed tackles. Now, this was my favorite stat that I found on him in 2022. 25 of his catches were for first downs. Seven were for touchdowns. That's 32. He only had 35 catches. 32 out of 35 catches went for a first or a touchdown. That's 91.4%. Just throw this damn dude the ball. When he was targeted, he had 149.8 passer rating. 158 is perfect. <laughs> like, I mean, the dude just was efficient. And when you threw the ball his way, nothing bad happened. No interceptions, none of that stuff. I mean, he was great. Um, he was ninth in all of college football in yards per reception with a 19.8, which, again, not a speed guy, not a tackle breaker, but efficient, efficient, efficient. Um, now, this was interesting because in 2021, his best games were against the best opponents. His worst game all year was against USC. That's probably the toughest game he had, but they still won the game. Tulane beat USC, which is crazy. Um, best games, SMU, good team. 
USF, good team. Alcorn, bad team. Cincinnati, good team. Um, listen to this was the Tulane wide receiver coach. McMiniman uh, was his name. Quote, he's one of the best receivers I've been around as far as body control and quickness. That was what I saw. Body control. His ankle flexibility is crazy. The dude is sideways. It is cuts. Um, it, it's pretty fun to watch. Very, very shifty. 6.83 cone. Good God. This dude can change direction very, very well. Now, McMiniman goes on to say, quote, he's not one of the guys who's going to walk on the turf and run a 4-3. But I know if I had 11 Shea Wyatts, we'd be a really, really good football team, end quote. Like, and that shows on tape. He's fun. You, you watch his tape, highlights, film, whatever. High-energy athlete. Likes to talk. Really loves the game. Uh, celebrates. Yeah, he Again, he's a talker. <laughs> but he seems to really have fun playing football. Seems like the kid's always smiling, celebrating with his teammates. High-energy player that brings that kind of, I don't know, bravado, I guess is the right word. Um, now, very fluid in space. Likes going over the middle, but he's not big. Again, 5'10", 188. Not big. But he'll do dirty work. Contested catches are fun. Not long arms, but he can jump. And, again, you see a lot of work either over the middle or on the sidelines. You see toe taps. You see, you know, jumping, all that kind of stuff, high-pointing the ball. It's fun. The reason why he's undrafted, though, let's just be really honest. His athletic profile is not great. There's not a lot. Well, in today's NFL, there's about to be. Smaller, undersized guys that are not elite athletes. He's not, but he's a baller. He's just a freaking baller. And so whenever you look at when he was brought on to the 49ers, it's interesting because you've got 12 wide receivers on this team. 49ers only keep five or six. That means half are going to get cut. We have so many wide receivers. Now, when he was drafted, this is his response. This is Shea Wyatt's words. Quote, it's still surreal. I'm obviously grateful for the opportunity the Niners have given me, but I know there's a lot of work ahead, and I'm looking forward to it. That's good news. Now, he went on to say that he got three offers, three more offers from other teams, but chose the 49ers. Uh, he said, quote, I just feel more comfortable with the 49ers and the coaching staff, especially with the offense that they run and how they run their organization, end quote. I have said repeatedly that the Niners use their practice squad and undrafted free agents better than any other team in the NFL. And if I had a choice and the 49ers wanted me, that's where I would choose to go regardless of depth chart. Because notice the numbers. He's number 84 on our list here. Not a decent shot to make this team and i i don't know if i said this before but shout out to josh 49ers guru um for you know this research he did a hell of a job he's 84 this is not a guy that has an easy road to making this team and if he got three other offers i can guarantee you most teams don't have 12 guys on their roster right now that are wide receivers the niners do and we keep one less because we're a run heavy team but if he can make it, that's a big if. He's got an uphill battle. Listen to the names ahead of him. There, there's a lot, okay? The locks at the wide receiver position. Debo, Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, Ray-Ray McLeod. Those are your four golden locks. I would put Danny Gray in that category as well, but just because he's a beast special teamer. 
But okay, that's four. Danny Gray, five, right? Then you got Ronnie Bell, Willie Sneed, Chris Conley, Daz Newsom, Tay Martin, Isaiah Winstead, the freak, like YouTube sensation, undrafted free agent. And then Shea Wyatt. I have Shea Wyatt behind all of them. How is he going to find his role? Best case scenario for him, man, land on that practice squad. That's what you want to do. Land on that freaking practice squad. If he could do that, yeah, it's going to be a year or two delayed. He's going to learn in the system and all those things. But if that can happen, that's what you got to watch for. Number 41, he's fun, guys. His tape is energetic. I would argue much more energetic than Ronnie Bell's, but Ronnie Bell can do more. Um, he can do a lot more. Uh, special teams, he's a lot tougher. He's a lot more physical of a player, all those things. But eh, don't sleep on this kid. We'll have to see what he's made of and what he can make out of it, but I'm excited to have him. And number 84 on the 2023 roster countdown, wide receiver Shea Wyatt, go get yours, make this team, and for us, we'll just keep counting them down.